Before going on to listen to this episode, I must preface it with a trigger warning. In this episode you are about to listen to, I will be mentioning calories, weight, eating disorders, and other mental health issues. I will make sure to preface every episode with this trigger warning in case there is a mention of something that you might not be able to handle. This podcast is meant to be educational and mind-opening to the scary world of eating disorders and what they can do to you. Even though I want this environment to feel safe for everybody, please proceed to listen with caution. This show will include genuine content only. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Reasons for Recovery. I hope you all have been having a great week so far and are doing well. Me, on the other hand, (laughs) I haven't been doing the greatest as of late. Um, I've actually been pretty sick for like over a week now. You can probably tell by my voice. I don't know, it might sound a little bit better because I've been sick for over a week and my voice has been very hoarse for over a week, but today was the first day in a long time that I woke up and I didn't sound like I was dying so that's really good I guess I'm I'm getting better um and I have some water here to my side I usually have like a small can of water or something next to me but I have like a huge jug of water (laughs) next to me right now while I'm recording this because I will be taking a lot of breaks to drink water my uh, throat gets extremely dry very quickly so I know I'm gonna be needing that But, like I said, I'm getting better. I just hope that I can make it through this episode without having, like, a coughing fit or losing my voice completely. But, like I said, my voice is sounding a lot better than it was before, so that's good. But I didn't want to put off making an episode, so I'm going to power through it for you guys. Um, It's been a very long week with being sick and all. Plus, I'm also at the end of the fall semester for college, so it's like, you know, one assignment after the other. And, you know, tests are coming up. I I actually took two tests today, and I'll have another one next week, and then finals are going to start right after that. So a lot's going on. A lot is happening all at once. Uh, So I've I've been booked in every single way possible, so I'm, like, super stressed mentally and physically at the moment. But even though I might be going through a lot, I'm still here to give you guys a new episode, just like I always promise you. It's what I love to do, you guys know that, and I know it helps you guys out a lot, so I'm trying my best to get an episode out for you guys. Also, speaking of getting episodes out, I thought that I would go ahead and mention this to you guys, so it would probably be very smart. I realized, um, you know, I've only been doing this podcast since April, you know, I've almost been doing it like, what, that's like nine months, eight months, I don't know, I can't think of math right now, but... (laughs) I thought it would be pretty smart to have a more structured release date for the podcast. Uh, So from now on, I'm going to go ahead and say this. Uh, I'm going to try to get an episode out twice a month, like usual, on the 20th and the 5th of every single month. So you can mark your calendars now for actual physical dates that the podcast will be released on the 20th and the 5th of every single month, unless stated otherwise. So... Yeah, I'm going to try to stick to those dates as best as I can, but keep in mind, I'm a college student, and I also have a job, so just bear with me here, but I will stick with those dates 
like I said, unless stated otherwise. But anyway, going ahead and getting into today's topic, I wanted to shift gears once again, like I love to do every now and then. And this episode, I'm going to be doing another story time episode, but it's not going to be 100% just a story time episode. It'll also have a little bit of life lessons that I learned and some tips that I learned that I wanted to be able to share with you guys. If you haven't already seen the title of this episode, today I'm going to be discussing my experiences with recovery during a global pandemic. No matter where you are in the world, COVID-19 has affected your area somehow, in some sort of way, even if it was a lot of cases and a lot of detriment to your area, or not many at all. It still has affected the world somehow, no matter where you are. And it has all personally affected our own lives in some sort of way. Thankfully, it seems like at this point, cases are slowly dropping and people aren't being affected as much as they used to, which is really, really good. Um, I'm vaccinated, and I know a lot of my friends and family are vaccinated, so it's good that, you know, things are starting to slow down and kind of get back to normal, but I wanted to talk about my experiences with this pandemic and talk about how it actually benefited my recovery. Yeah, I I know that sounds super weird. How can, like, a, a global pandemic benefit your recovery from an eating disorder? Like, how is that even possible? Well, I'll tell you in this episode of my experiences and how this pandemic and like the very first quarantine really helped me out a lot. And I'll tell you guys all the lessons that I learned along the way and how they may be beneficial to you and how you could probably apply them in your life. Now, I know a lot of people who are listening to this podcast right now are either going through recovery currently, have already gone through recovery, or they're wanting to start recovery. And if you are one that has already gone through a recovery, this episode might be extremely relatable to you, especially if you were going through recovery at the same time that I was, which was early 2020. So I want to go ahead and get started with this story time and tell you guys about how the COVID-19 pandemic helped me in recovery. I really want to fill you guys in on what really led up to this point and how it was different and what I learned out of it, like I said. So as you guys already know, I started my journey to recovery from an eating disorder in February of 2020, literally right before the pandemic really hit. COVID-19 was already talked about at this point, but it wasn't something that was like an extreme global issue just yet. I remember my friend in my lab class that I had at the time for chemistry, he was talking about it and it was like end of January, beginning of February when he was talking about it. And I was like, I literally have no idea what you're talking about, but okay. (laughs) So this was like right before everything really started to go downhill. So if you've been listening for a long time, you would know that I went to the ER to get help initially. And then from there, I was sent to a psychiatric ward for about a week. During that week that I was at the psychiatric ward, there was no talk of COVID, no one was wearing masks, it was like all completely normal pandemic-free setting, um, which I honestly want to know uh, how the pandemic affected psychiatric wards and hospitals and stuff like that. Well, I know how they affected hospitals, but like, I, I'm genuinely curious about how the pandemic really affected uh, the psychiatric units and stuff, because I was there like literally two weeks before everything went downhill. So I'm really curious as to how that 
you know, was planned out and everything. But to get back on track, (laughs) when I was released, it was February 29th of 2020. Like I said, just shy of two weeks before quarantine initially started. I went back to college and continued my life like normal, just this time I was focusing on recovery. You know, I was going to classes like normal, everything was just as it was before, but I was focusing on recovery. I had to regularly go to a doctor uh, to get my blood drawn because I had a lot of complications with my liver and my heart, so I always had to get blood drawn every month to make sure my liver enzymes and like different levels of my body were in shape. Uh, And I also had to go to a nutritionist during this time. Uh, So I was having a lot of blood work done, seeing a lot of doctors and stuff. And I was starting to go see a counselor, but the school counseling system here is not the best. So it didn't really work out as well. But my nutritionist kind of doubled as a psych or not a psychiatrist, a counselor. So it was, you know, like in two for one. (laughs) So initially I went back to college, like I said, on my own post-psych ward visit, and I remember I was extremely scared and worried. Not because I was starting recovery, but the fact that I was starting recovery on my own. Keep in mind, I go to a college that's out of state, like three hours away from my original hometown. My closest friends and my family were far away from me, so it was basically all up to me to figure out how to eat right again. Of course, like I said, I had the help of my nutritionist and doctors to give me meal plans and great advice, but that didn't help the fact that when I went back to my dorm at the end of the day, I was still alone. I still had to deal with being physically alone, and no one was there to comfort me when I was trying fear foods and learning how to eat normally again. In fact, The first fear food that I actually ate was by myself, alone, in my bedroom. So the first few weeks of recovery were very, very difficult because, you know, I had to tell my friends and family just through a screen, hey, I did this today, hey, I ate this today, and it just didn't feel the same as if they were there in person. So it was was extremely hard to combat all the stuff that I was dealing with in recovery on my own. Um, I also had a job at this time that was very, very difficult to keep up with. Um, I think I mentioned before in the past, I was a baker at a local coffee house. And with my mind in a different perspective of food, it was super tough to manage a job where food was surrounding me all the time. So like I said, it was very difficult to keep up and to do good all on my own, especially with that job in the back of my head always killing me thinking about food constantly all day long. And even though I had a great medical team backing me, I didn't have my friends and family around to support me. Yes, they were there rooting for me at home, but it just didn't feel the same as if they were in person instead. So meals and snacks, they were all up to me. I was all on my own to cook my own food, buy my own food, whatever it may have been. But with me being the one that had to make the decisions and make the food, it allowed me to act on my eating disorder tendencies that I would have not acted upon if people were around me. For example, I found myself counting calories a numerous amount of times when fixing myself meals or resulting in 
uh, fixing lower calorie options for me that I had access to when I could see the calories physically on the box. So it made me feel like I was making no progress at all because I still had these terrible eating disorder tendencies that were always creeping up in the back of my head and I had nobody there to tell me, you know, hey, snap out of it. You need to remember that you're doing this for you, blah, 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 you know. So since I had nobody physically there to hold me accountable, I just felt like I wasn't doing good at all. And after a week of recovery, I went to the nutritionist for the second time and she told me that I had only gained one pound, which what I would say is a really good start, but I knew that I could have done much better. And obviously, that is a good start. Like, gaining one pound, that's like gaining something back. That's better than nothing at all. But I felt like I could have done so much better if I weren't restricting myself or, like, constraining myself from different foods that I should have eaten, but I didn't. And I knew I could have gained more. But I still counted it as a good thing because, like I said, at least I was gaining something. The following week was spring break, and I was able to take off work for that entire week and go home. And that was the best thing ever for me. <laughs> and while I was home, of course, my mom was the one that was cooking practically all the meals that I was eating. And with my mom being able to cook the meals for me, I had no worry at all about the food. Someone else was making it, someone else was controlling what was being put in it, and I knew that if I had no control of how many calories were in there and how the food was being prepared, then it wouldn't, you know, hurt me. It wouldn't worry me at all. So, like I said, with me having no knowledge of how the food was prepared, it made it so much easier for me to eat it. I wasn't there physically to see it being made, so I had no way of tracking the calories that were in it. I had no way of knowing what was being put in there. So that entire week, I remember I ate everything my mom made me and more. Like, I, I had every snack, every meal, all prepared by my mom. It made me super hopeful that I was doing really, really good in recovery. But then I realized that when I got back to school after spring break, or when I was supposed to go back to school after spring break, it was going to be like the first week all over again. And I was not happy about that because I did not want to be alone after I've made so much progress in one week, you know? So then, of course, you can probably guess what happened next. We get an email from the university saying that spring break would be an extra week long to combat the spread of COVID that was currently rising at this time. I was so excited and so relieved because I could stay at home another week and eat better again. But then I realized I still have a job back at college and I still have nutritionist appointments back at college and those were still very much on schedule and were not going to change, so I ended up having to go back to college the following week of spring break anyway, while everyone else ended up staying up at home and party ended up having no idea what was to come next. <laughs> But the following week that I went back to college, of course, nobody was there, there were no classes going on, and everything was completely shut down on campus except for the Student Health Center, which is where my nutritionist was and all my doctors were. I remember I dreaded going back on campus because that meant that I had to fix my own food again, which again would give me an opportunity to count calories and restrict myself. 
if I didn't have anyone there to help me the first week of college, I definitely did not have anybody now. Campus was dead. Everyone was at home besides the very few people that stayed because they had jobs there. It was very, very hard, but I ended up managing, of course. That week, I remember all I did was go to work and go to my one nutritionist appointment and one doctor appointment. And I remember at that nutritionist appointment, actually, I had to do another weigh-in. And keep in mind, I had been fed really, really well over spring break and had people there watching what I had to eat. So, you know, I had people there holding me accountable. I had people there watching me and making sure I was eating properly and eating the right amount. So when I got off the scale, I had gained four pounds since the last visit, which was basically a week ago. My nutritionist asked me how I felt about gaining that much. Um, And honestly, I felt pretty sad about it. Not because I had gained the weight, but because I knew the only reason why I was able to gain that much in a week was because I was at home with somebody else preparing my food. And now I was back at college and I knew that I wasn't going to get that again. So I felt very, very discouraged about the whole situation. But my nutritionist at the time, she was very, very sweet and very understanding. Like I told her, she was also like a counselor to me. So she completely understood the feelings that I had about my situation. And she assured me that I'd still be able to do good in recovery, even though that I didn't have anyone there physically to cook my food for me. And this was where she was able to come up with new food plans for me that would work out for how I was doing, you know, how I was alone and how I could fit that into still being able to eat. So I believed her and I didn't give up regardless of how I felt and what my emotions were like. I continued on for the rest of my week trying my absolute hardest to eat what I wanted and not what my eating disorder said that I should have instead. It was super difficult, like I said, but I managed to get through one week of eating all by myself. And I was super proud of it, even though I feel like I didn't do as good as I would have if I was at home. But I still I still did it, you know, I still got through the week. And that's all that matters. If you keep telling yourself, you know, if you can just manage one day at a time, you'll be able to get through the week. And that's what helped me out the most during that time when I was all alone by myself and didn't have my family near me, I just made sure to tell myself every day, like, if you can just get through this one day, that's one step closer to recovery. And that really helped me out. The second week uh, comes around and we get another email from the school. And this time they said that due to the rapid increase of COVID, school would be no longer in person for the semester and it would go virtual. So now every student had to completely evacuate their dorms and they could only stay if they had a valid reason to stay. So with me still having work in the area, that was my reason that I was able to stay. I needed the money and I loved the job even though it was very difficult mentally at that time. So I emailed my intentions to stay on campus regardless of the COVID shutdown and it was approved. So while everybody was at home in quarantine, I was still at school working (laughs) and I did all my classes online, but I still lived on campus. It seems really, really silly, I know, but when you're a broke college student, you need any money possible and my job was the only source of that. So after the whole campus evacuation, 
it was even more emptier than before. I was one out of the three people in my entire dorm who decided to stay or had a reason to stay. And none of those other two people lived on my hall. So I had the entire place to myself, essentially. But even though that might seem really, really cool, it was just, you know, adding more onto the nightmare that I was already facing. I was alone with my thoughts. I was alone with my eating disorder. And every chance that it had to pop up and distract me, it did. I couldn't go anywhere besides work, so I couldn't go on a walk or do anything because I was on a strict no-exercise policy, but being alone really tempted me to break all of those rules. I was very determined to beat this eating disorder, though, so I powered through everything and tried my hardest. There were some mishaps here and there, but again, I managed to fight through and I made it through another week. After about two weeks of doing recovery all by myself, I got another message from the school. This time, it was saying that no matter what your circumstances were, you had to leave the campus and quarantine at home. So, of course, I was over the moon excited. I would finally be able to go home and have my mom cook everything that I needed, and I would be able to succeed in recovery much faster because I was surrounded by my family, I was having meals prepared for me, and I had accountability and support if I failed. So I was extremely excited to finally leave campus, which was already dead to begin with. Uh, So I let my boss at the time know, like, hey, I'm not going to be able to stay here anymore, and she was okay with it. I had the summer off, or at least part of the spring semester and the summer off from my job due to the quarantine. So I packed up everything, and happily made my way home, even though I knew I wasn't going to be making money for a a little bit of time. But (laughs) at that point, I really didn't care. I was just really, really excited to finally go home. And at this point, it was probably early April of 2020, so about less than a month into this global pandemic. I had gone to another nutritionist appointment right before I had left, and it ended up being my last in-person nutritionist appointment ever. But before I left, she weighed me and I had made no progress in another week's worth of time, which I expected because, again, I was alone and I was capable of restricting and not eating as much as I needed to for recovery. So even though I had not made any progress at all, I didn't gain anything, I didn't lose anything, I was just, you know, stagnant really. But even though all that was going on, I knew that that would change when I got home. In the span of those five months or so that I was at home, I was able to beat anorexia and then some. So I had become weight restored during quarantine and it was legit the only reason. Like going home was the only reason I was able to beat anorexia because I couldn't restrict or carry on with any eating disorder habits. I remember there was one week that I called my nutritionist uh, during the pandemic when I was uh, at home. And I remember when she asked me how much I had gained, I told her 10 pounds, which I feel like that was the most I had ever gained in a week's worth of time when I was in recovery. Um, So you can tell I was eating very, very well at home. (laughs) So to make a long story short, going home for quarantine really, really saved my recovery because if I had stayed at school that entire time, 
it would have taken me so much longer or I could have possibly failed and backed out of it. Uh, So getting into more important things, what exactly were the reasons that I was able to succeed in recovery from just going home? Well, for one, like I've been saying this whole time, my mom was cooking everything for me and fixing all of my snacks for me. So I had no say in how things were prepared. I had no idea what she was putting in things. Like, this gave her the opportunity to put in a lot of hidden calories that I needed, such as oils and butters or other things like that. So with her cooking, my recovery progress was so much more quicker than if I were to fix meals by myself. So if that's something that's really hard for you, if you are fixing meals on your own, try to get somebody else to fix meals for you if that's possible. If Because if you are fixing your own meals for yourself, that allows your eating disorder to take over and really try to make you restrict and hold back on things that you might initially want. So if it's possible, get somebody else to make food for you. It'll make it much easier to eat that food because you don't know what's in it. Adding on to that, I was no longer alone in my dorm room. I had someone there that was constantly watching me to make sure that I ate. I had no opportunities to throw stuff away, turn down food, whatever it may have been. I had someone there to tell me, like, nope, you're going to eat this. Um, You're going to be held accountable to eat this. Uh, And it was very nice to have another voice there to hold me accountable, like I said, during my recovery. It was even... A good thing to have someone there to talk me out of my failures when I felt like I had no hope. So I've always talked about this in past episodes. Remember to make sure you are surrounded by loved ones or people that you would want as your support team. Because if you are like me and you are alone for a lot of your recovery or for at least the beginning of your recovery, you know, that's not going to help you at all. It's, It's really going to make your mind cloudy and have more thoughts that you don't want it to have. So being surrounded by somebody or just a support team, anybody at all, to help you get through those failures and those eating disorder tendencies you might have, that's very, very crucial and very important. And I have stressed that so much throughout this uh, podcast. I was also able to be talked out of eating disorder behaviors like exercising and running because that's one of the main things that really killed me. Um, I overexercised. I overcompensated for what I was eating. And that's the reason why I became anorexic in the first place. If I were all alone through my entire recovery, I would have had plenty of opportunities to just walk out my door and go on a run until I dropped. So being at home with my parents you know, there was no way that I was going to be led outside the house for physical activity unless I was giving the all clear to do so. And also, it was great to finally be around my friends and my biggest supporters because, like I said, being all alone in a different state from everybody else just had no positive effect on me whatsoever for my recovery, which is why I struggled so much in the first few weeks. And that's why it's very, very crucial to surround yourself with people that love you and care for you and want you to succeed in recovery. But now that I was home, I had my friends to distract me from my eating disorder tendencies. And I also had that support that was with other people all along with that. My parents, 
other family members, just random people that I don't even really associate with that were cheering me on and told me, you know, you can do this. You're going to beat anorexia and you're going to be better. And that really, really helped me out a lot. So to conclude, the pandemic and quarantine were absolutely amazing for me because without it, I would have probably failed recovery miserably. Having an eating disorder during that time was definitely a struggle because I remember many people were starting to use that opportunity as a time to like get in shape and work out more with those home workouts that were being released a lot. And with me not being able to do that, it was very, very hard. Um, Everywhere I went online, I remember that's all that I saw were like people getting fit and making at-home workouts for people in quarantine. But even though there were struggles like that, overall quarantine was very, very, very beneficial to my recovery. All those reasons that I just talked about a second ago were the sole purpose of why I was able to recover. I can't even imagine how long it would have taken for me to recover if I had never come home for quarantine. I'd imagine I would probably still be in recovery if that was the situation, but I'm extremely thankful that all of this happened in 2020 where we were locked inside our home for months. Of course, like, I'm not thankful for COVID, obviously, but I'm thankful for the fact that we were able to quarantine for a little bit and we were able to be at home with people that we loved. (laughs) And it helped me become the person that I am today and shaped me into a much healthier and happier person physically and mentally. And for those of you who went through recovery around the same time that I did, you probably have the same feelings as I do about quarantine. Or you might not. It just depends on how you really felt about it. You know, but in my opinion, I thought it was very, very helpful for my time in recovery. And you probably think the same thing. But with that being said, I want to go ahead and draw us towards a close here. If you have anything that you would like to talk about, recovery, anything eating disorder related, or if you just need to share your own eating disorder quarantine stories with me, you know, if you went through recovery or just an eating disorder during quarantine, um, you can message me on Instagram, which will be in the description below, or you can email me, which will also be in the description. And if you feel like you are ready to take on recovery and start it, and you don't really know where to begin, that's completely okay. I have great resources for you to get in contact with that are all listed in the description below too. There are also all sorts of hotlines and helpful websites that you can get more information on, um, so feel free to use that uh, if you need it. Again, guys, I apologize for the voice. Maybe it sounds great, I don't know. When I listen back to this, I'll have to see, but to me, I still sound not completely the same again. But next podcast, I will not sound so bad or as bad at all. (laughs) So sorry you had to deal with it for this episode. But I hope you all have an amazing week or an amazing day whenever you may be listening to this. I'll see you guys in two weeks. And please remember to stay safe and healthy. Mm